So we're going to be introducing our guest speaker this morning and his wonderful wife. And um, so I'm going to ask Pastor Smiley and Pastor Marlene come up with Pastor Bev up on the platform. And I uh, just want to mention before I hand over to Pastor Smiley that uh, we have been very, very close friends for over 50 years, over 50 years. And um, this is a couple that's full with the Word of God, full of the Word of God, I promise you right now, quoting scriptures, <laughs> meditating the Bible every day, and um, they love the Lord. They've lived for Christ with their whole heart, their whole life. Never wavered, never wavered. So we are proud of them. We love them very, very much. And um, I've got some stories I can tell about them too. And I'll tell you one or two after he's finished ministering. But today, it's a great joy for us to have them here with us. So I want to say a few words for us morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? <clears throat> I don't know if this is one, on. One, two. There you go. Can you hear me now? Yeah. A little louder. Can you hear me now? <laughs> there you go. Good morning. I'm really ex so excited to be here with you this morning. I hope you are excited to be here too. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to share history that we have with your pastors. Uh, going back 50 years, I think with you and Smiley and I met Pastor Bev when I was 19 years old, and we went to Bible school together. We went to Christ for the Nations, Christ for the Nations in, Dallas. in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> and um, we did not know each other before. We kind of got to know each other there. And I was very quiet and introverted, and Beverly is Beverly. <laughs> she, <laughs> she had the same love and enthusiasm for God and it's never wavered all these years. She just loves the Lord with all her heart and I just fell in love with her and she was so good for me, brought me out of my shell. <laughs> so that was a wonderful thing. So I really bonded over there. We came back to South Africa and um, Pastor Bev met Pastor Thea. They got married and we were in their wedding, bridesmaid and best man. And then we got married a couple of years, I know, a couple of months later, and they were in our wedding. So we have a long history. We know them a lot better than you. And I'll tell you something, they are the real deal. What you see is what you get. We really love them. We love the zeal for God. They are so kind and so loving, and we just thank you so much for loving us and always standing by us. I have to share this testimony. Um, two years ago, I got a terrible headache from hell. Headache from hell. <laughs> it was a tension headache. I was in excruciating pain. The pain was worse than childbirth. And um, this went on for two years. I saw four um, neurologists, and they didn't know what to do with me. And um, we were going to see Pastor Bev and Theo in Orlando for Thanksgiving. And I texted Pastor Theo, and I said, I need your help. I had been meditating on the word, standing on the word. But just so you understand, um, like a migraine headache, 
you exhaust, you're tired, you're fatigued. I had the same thing with the tension headache. And they gave me drugs, several drugs that did not work, and they put me on gabapentin. It's actually called gabapoison. It should not be on the market. This drug is supposed to be for brain seizures only, but they use it for off-label, which means they use it for headaches, back pain, um, uh, insomnia, depression, the list goes on. Why? Because they make money. That's right. And they use us as guinea pigs. So that was poisoning me. I did not know it. I was just so sick, couldn't get out of bed. I was in bed most of the time. Fog in my brain, pain. Uh, the drug made me dizzy to the point of being drunk. I couldn't drive. So Smiley had to step in and just do most of the stuff. So I did meditate and believe in God. And all the time I had this peace that God was going to bring me through this. I just kept my hope alive. Confessing the word in my thick fog, it was very difficult, but I just stood on the word. And I said to Pastor Thea, please pray for me when you come and see you. And he said, of course. So I had decided in my heart that I, I recognize the gift in, in Apostle Theo. God has given him the most incredible gift and compassion for healing. And I went there and saying to myself, I'm getting my healing, just like someone's going to give you a gift, I'm going to pick up my gift in Orlando. And I had said to myself, I'm not going to go by feelings. If I feel something, that's great. If I don't, that's also fine. And, uh, and I said, if I don't get it instantly, I believe I have it. Because believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So I said, well, if I, re I get it immediately or recovering, I've got it. It's mine. So my confession afterwards all the time was when, when um, Apostle Theo laid hands on me, I received it on the 24th of November at 7.30. And I stuck to that. And I made a remarkable recovery in six weeks. And I said to my neurologist, get me off this poison. Now, that's part B of the, um, of the miracle because... People can't come off this drug. It's like it's in their brain, and it's, this drug is, is harder to come off than street drug, uh, drugs. You know, people on heroin, this is a, is a drug from hell. But I'm, I'm so excited to tell you that I'm 85% of this drug. You have to wean off very slowly because it messes up your, your whole nervous system. So I am so excited to have my brain back, <laughs> to have a clear head. And you know, when, so when you're so smiley, and you know, if I was in this church yeah. and Apostle Theo, Theo was having a healing meeting, I'll tell you what, I would bring in That's right. uh, all those sick, your neighbors, your co-workers, your family, and if they're not born again, well, bring them here and they can get born again and that's heal right. because a healed person is an excited person because yeah, right. they want to tell everybody I got healed that's and we'll right. fill up this church that's with right. new members. Right. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I just want to tell you one quick thing. What we did to um, Pastor Smiley when him and Marlene got married, we, um, Pastor Theo, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe it was the two of us, uh, we decided because in those days you had to kneel at the altar to uh, get married. You know, you kneel while the pastor lays. Yeah, and so we wrote on, we got stickers made on for Smiley's shoe. One said help and the other said me. <laughs> so when he knelt at the altar, it said help me. <laughs> uh, we stuck it underneath his shoe. He didn't know it was there. 
So as he was kneeling down there, help me. <laughs> his mother got quite concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his mother was so mad with us. <laughs> his mother wanted to come We've help We've got him. lots of stories. I won't tell you now. Anyway, this is a thank you for that beautiful word. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Smiley. Hallelujah. Life, <laughs> you have challenges, and um, when your wife's going through a challenge or your husband, it's wonderful that you can be there for one another. <clears throat> Too many people just, well, I'm out of here, I don't need this, but that's not what God designed us to do, that we are there to support one another. Love my wife, and uh, she's been a fighter. And I really appreciate uh, her very, very much. A beautiful wife. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Theo, for inviting me to come and speak at your church. And uh, we've known each other, as we said, 50 years. And it's always an honor and a privilege to be able to come and stand in your pulpit and to share the Word of God. I uh, really value the opportunity. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. A woman? Or just amen? amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the teacher. And that you guide and lead us into all truth. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Give us revelation knowledge. Let the truth of your word fill our hearts with faith. Let it touch and change and transform our lives and make us more like Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I healed this vessel to you. I healed these lips to you. And I thank you, Lord, that you speak through this, captivate every heart and mind under the sound of my voice and let the word fall on good soil and produce an abundant harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I want to share with you about the power of discipleship. The Bible says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, if that's a commission and a command... I've been saved one year, five years, ten years. We have been commissioned by God to go and make disciples. And so the question is, who am I currently discipling? Or who have I ever discipled in my life? I want to stand before Jesus one day and he said, well, what about this commission to go and make disciples and how come you never got involved in it or took it seriously? My brother Hansel, just going back before this commission to the start of the story, I came out the military training compulsory in South Africa, and then I came to Durban, uh, South Africa, and my brother Hansel, eldest brother, he invited me to a Nikki Cruz gospel crusade, and uh, we were in this Kings Park soccer stadium, thousands of people. Pastor Theo told me he was already there. I didn't know him. He was saved, I think, about six months before I was. And so I went forward, knelt on the grass, and I surrendered my heart to Jesus in his crusade. He was a New York Mau Mau gangster, 
a rapist, a drug addict, a murderer, a killer, just the worst scum of society. And I saw a movie with Nicky Cruz and that he got saved, gave his life to Jesus. They went and threw their switchblades onto the platform and they received Bibles called The Cross and the Switchblade. And uh, I thought to myself, when I saw that movie, I thought, that's a Hollywood ending because that's not real life. These scum don't ask for Bibles. And uh, I saw Nicky Cruz at that crusade in the big screens with the scars on his face of the gangster fights. And I said, that movie was real. Jesus changed that man's life and prompted me to go and kneel on that grass and give my life to Jesus. My brother also invited me to the church that he was going to, Living Water Church. Pastor George Dillman was the pastor, and I didn't know that's the church where Theo was. And when I say Theo, I'm saying it respectfully. He is Apostle Theo, and he's earned that right. But in the story, he's Theo, and I'm smiley. Amen. We weren't in the ministry. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so uh, don't say, well, he called him Theo, so I'm going to call him Theo. He's Apostle Theo, hallelujah, and he's, God's using him as Apostle Theo. But Pastor George Dillman had an amazing ministry, an evangelical ministry, a healing ministry, and I was really blessed to be involved in a vibrant church. I was before in the uh, Dutch Deformed, I mean Reformed Church in South Africa. And uh, so we had a lot of religion, but we didn't have a lot of relationship with Jesus. So I thank God that I found the Lord in this on-fire church. So I was looking around for friends in the church, didn't know anybody besides my brother, and I noticed this one on-fire Christian, full of the joy of the Lord, full of enthusiasm, and the countenance of God was on his face, and, and you could see he loved the Lord, loved the Word, and I thought to myself looking around, I want to grow in the Lord and would be wonderful to know somebody like that. And so I heard he was a worldly, wild one before he met Jesus. And I'm sure you've heard his testimony and his story and his discos and karate and everything else and uh, looking for fights and all kinds of things. However, he got radically saved and he, he went even harder for Jesus then he ever went for the devil. Hallelujah. I know in his first six weeks that he was saved, he brought 200 souls to that church. Hallelujah. Who's ready for bringing 200 souls into this church? You'll take 100. Anyone take 50? Anyone take 25? Hallelujah. Anyone for one? If, if everybody brought one, that would be wonderful. But uh, we can do better in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Luke chapter 7, verse 47, talking about the uh, prostitute who was uh, washing Jesus' feet and her tears and her perfume drying them. The Bible says, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. Here was a man who was forgiven much and loved much and demonstrated that some people don't love as much, they think to themselves, well, I just needed a little bit of Jesus, I was almost there by myself. Nobody's almost there. We all 100% need Jesus. It's all Jesus, none of ourselves. Amen. 
So I enjoined myself to his circle of friends and um, kind of saw this crowd after church, hanging around the parking lot, talking, having fellowship, kind of wormed my way in there and says, is there room for one more over here? And uh, so he saw that there was a hunger in me, and I saw the love and the zeal for the Lord, and he opened up his heart to me and became a friend of mine. So now I'm going to share with you about friendship discipleship. Discipleship is not... (laughs) Discipleship is not all about difficult things and say, well, I don't know if I'm qualified to do that. Discipleship can start with being a friend. Amen. Just being a friend of someone. And so these are some uh, friendship uh, stories that I would share with you. We were standing outside a Bible study one uh, Tuesday evening was our Bible study night at our church. And so we were just standing around talking about four or five people in a circle about the Bible study. And I thought to myself, so he was the South African karate champion when he was 18 years old. And I thought, I wonder how fast he was. There went my naughty little brain thinking about, everyone's talking about the Bible study, but my little brain's thinking this. And so I thought, I'm going to put this to the test in front of everyone in this little circle. And so I did this as fast as I could, and it would be something he's obviously not expecting at all, and he's a little rusty because he hasn't been practicing karate for two hours a day like he did. So in any case, I went ahead, and I took my fist like this, and I went as fast as I could to do that to stop an inch from his face. Well, before I got halfway, he had blocked me, and his fist was here in my face, and he laughed at me and said, best not try that again, brother. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I understood and I agreed <laughs> and I thought to myself if ever I'm in trouble I want him in my corner <laughs> hallelujah so we went on a church camp and uh, we had a wonderful campground our church uh, halfway between Peter Maritzburg and Durban South Africa so I went, we went on this church camp and I made two beautiful hammocks. I used to be an engineer, and if I make something, it's going to be good. It's not one of these hammocks like this. It's it's a hammock for sleeping, like a bed. And so we made. I made these two beautiful hammocks for Theo and myself. And so all these bungalow Christians were standing around us and watching us put our hammocks nice and tight, nice and straight, and uh, maybe a little bit envious. And they said, you guys don't want to sleep here because the farmers have been praying for rain. They desperately need rain, and it looks like it's coming tonight. We just laughed and said, well, the farmers can have all the rain they want. It just won't rain right here where we're sleeping. They came early the next morning to check on us, and we were dry. Thought, wow, I wish it rained last night. But uh, we were dry, and the Lord blessed us, and we had a wonderful time with the stars and the birds, and the fresh air, and um, very evident when we woke up, nice fresh air all night. All right, let's have a a look at this third example over here, just friendship discipleship. Uh, On this uh, uh, camp meeting, uh, there was a service that Pastor George Zillman was preaching at, and he uh, raised this question, and he said, what is that one thing that if you don't have this one thing, it is impossible for you to please God. And I thought, I wonder what that one thing is, just sitting in the congregation. 
and uh, everyone else, there was a pause, a silence, and suddenly this booming voice came, Faith! You know whose voice it was. It was Theo's voice. And they're just excited and enthusiastic. And I, I've known him for 50 years. I've known him very, very personally. I've known him in the valleys when I've known he's going through the hardest time and on the mountaintops of victory. But I've never heard one negative word ever come out of his mouth. Not only did he shout faith, but he's lived faith. It's not talk, it's walk. Amen. And so th that example of discipling someone just through friendship and seeing the man walk the walk of faith, and it rubs off on you. Amen. And it's really been an, uh, an awesome blessing for someone to live that life out in front of you and to be discipled that way. So <clears throat> then also at that same camp meeting, uh, there was a couple that came to me after one of the services. And they had a very nice young couple, and they had this beautiful little girl. And they said to me, uh, can you help us? I said, uh, what's the problem? They said, and they showed me their, their little daughter there. Her eyes were completely squint. And they, I said to them, uh, follow me. And I called Theo, and we went to their bungalow. And uh, we went in, the, uh, and uh, Theo took out his Bible, and he read some faith scriptures, some healing scriptures. And he asked them if they agreed. So this was like a little triangle. They were there with their daughter. Theo was over here. And then I was at the head of the triangle, or one of the three corners of the triangle. And so he, they said they agreed, and he said, well, let me pray for your daughter. And they nudged the little girl over, and she came and stood by Theo, and he took his hands and laid his hands upon her and said, Eyes, I command you to straighten in the name of Jesus and release that healing anointing and paused and experienced and felt that healing anointing flow in the eyes, and he said, it's done. And he turned the little girl around and was nudging her back to the parents, and I'm over there, I'm thinking, why don't you check first if those eyes are straight before you send her back, you know? <laughs> and so, <laughs> but, uh, but he knew that God's healing anointing had touched those eyes, and so he sent her back, and instantly when I saw the parents, burst into tears, I knew that it was done. And we were all praising Jesus. So that's a discipleship example and friendship, just being together and seeing Jesus being lived through somebody's life. It's the greatest example, not a word being spoken, but just living it and showing it and demonstrating and, and doing it, amen, and totally changed my life. Then I also had an experience of, just to say, read the scripture in Luke chapter 4, verse 40. All those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. And John 14, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these shall he do. And so he has always believed that. The Bible said it, and I believe that we ought to do the greater works of Jesus. And as my wife said, it's an awesome experience for you to be able to be healed and tell people about it, but to invite people to a church where they're practicing the Bible and praying for the sick. When you meet someone who is sick, you can invite them to a church where Jesus is healing them. Amen. I remember uh, one time I was standing on the 
platform in uh, Johannesburg. And so Pastor Theo and myself were on the platform uh, before the service. And I heard that someone brought a, a very, very, very sick person to church. I don't remember whatever the symptoms were. But so many symptoms and absolutely sick with all kinds of conditions, maybe even close to death. And so I was on the platform and worship was going on. I was telling Theo that they brought this person to the service and it's this and this and this. And he smiled at me and said, it's not too big for Jesus, brother. Amen. <laughs> this is just another day in the life of Jesus. He can do anything. Amen. He's unlimited. Praise God. What a wonderful example. Oh, yeah, of course. What am I <laughs> thinking this is? we got to do this. Is just believe Jesus can do it. Amen. So there was a, a, an, a, another time that uh, I was leaving for church. And as I was walking out the front door, I had a very nasty alcoholic mother. And as I was walking out the front door, my mother said to me, What church are you going to? So I said to her, You know the church I go to, the church where... Theo and myself went, and so she said, uh, well, you can't go to the church. I forbid you to go to that church. I said to mom, I'm 18. I've got a driver's license. I've got my own job, and I say, I'm going to church. She wanted me to go to the nominal church where nothing was happening, and so that's the devil, and so as I, was, I said, mom, I'm going to church, and I walked out the front door. There was an exercise pipe lying there. She grabbed that pipe. She ran up behind me without me hearing, and she whacked me over the back of the head, saw stars, dropped me down onto my knees, and I stumbled out of there, got to my car. My head was throbbing, driving to church, crying, and very emotional, and my own mother almost tried to kill me for wanting to go to church. That's the devil, amen? And so I was emotional through the service and a headache, and I, and I was scared to go home. I thought... I don't know what she'll do to me in my sleep. And so I went to Theo after the service and I said, can I please stay at your house tonight? And he said, of course, brother, you're welcome to come and stay at my house. And that's the love and the compassion. This is discipleship where you are demonstrating the love of Jesus. And all this is ministering to the person that's being discipled. And so the Bible says that, Luke chapter 14, verse 14, that Jesus felt compassion for them and healed their sick. And I've always seen the love and the compassion from Theo's heart to the sick, to the suffering, and to the hurting. Always an amazing compassion. Always got time. And that was exactly what the ministry of Jesus was. So here's some discipleship examples uh, at uh, this church, Living Waters Church, we were, had a busy schedule, and we all loved our schedule. We couldn't wait for more of it. And so we had two services on a Sunday, and we had Tuesday night Bible study, and Thursday night prayer meeting, and Friday night youth meeting, and Saturday nights, uh, sometimes we went witnessing at Durban's beachfront on the Indian Ocean. And so we were just excited about Jesus but uh, what are we going to do on Monday night and Wednesday night? We, church didn't have anything for us to do. And so Theo figured something for us to do. And so well, I went to his house, and we prayed on a Wednesday night at his house. And so we were lying on our face on the carpet, and we were praying. 
And uh, then we were finished praying. We had a Bible study. We listened to a good Christian tape, uh, a lot of Kenneth Hagin tapes. And then we would sit down and talk about the message, talk about the Word. And what a discipleship example to learn how to pray with a man who knows how to pray, to get down on your knees for him, to have put that anointing and that impartation into my life. I remember one time he was praying, and uh, he was praying, and he was saying this out. He said, and the children of Israel were marching through the wilderness, and as he was praying that, his hands were going on the carpet, marching through the wilderness, clap, 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 you know? and, uh, <clears throat> It's very good to be animated, amen? Hallelujah. Clap our hands, raise our hands, worship the Lord, and it helps in life to be animated <clears throat> better than being a dead stick, amen? Hallelujah. I guarantee you, you're animated when your football team's about to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, this was a uh, wonderful discipleship uh, example. And then we uh, took this a little uh, step further, and uh, Theo got some, inv uh, some invitations to go and do miming and use that as an example uh, or as a platform to share the gospel. So he had these open invitations, and so he asked me to please join him. This was what he learned in his disco worldly days, and what the devil used for harm, God was now using for good. Amen? So there's a skill to learn how to mime, and so uh, we also needed a lady voice, and so Beverly came and joined us, and um, whatever calmness we had, that all went out the window when she arrived. <coughs> So, <laughs> some enthusiasm to the team. And so, Theo taught us how to mime, and my voice was the bass voice. It's all about that bass. And so, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, uh, and you know, you had to learn when you put that deep voice, he taught you everything. He said, you would tilt your head, open your mouth, and so... I mean, we were good, trained and skilled and good. And so we went to churches in different places, and, we were, and he had the sound equipment from his worldly days. I mean, this stuff boomed, aired out real good, and well-chosen songs, of course. And uh, so it was awesome, and we sang. People came to us and said, you are the best gospel group we've ever heard in our lives. And uh, so we let the ignorance stay ignorant, and then... <laughs> Never gave it away. So the result of this love and this example and this investment into my life transformed me from being a nominal to an on-fire Christian. It completely changed my life. In Proverbs uh, 27, 20, uh, 27, 17, the Bible says, As iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. This is friendship, discipleship. Just being in love with Jesus and living it out in front of somebody else. I asked uh, Theo a question one day many, many years ago. And I said, I'm hungry for God. And, and he knew I was. And I said to him, how do I grow as a Christian? I want to grow. I want to grow. 
How do I grow as a Christian? And, you know, Theo is very thoughtful. And he thought about that. I'll give him a good answer. And he said, brother, if you want to grow as a Christian, you've got to get involved. Because you can't just be a dead sea taking in, taking in, taking in. You've got to be a Jordan River. Uh, a Jordan, not the Jordan River, the Sea of Galilee. So it comes, the Jordan River comes in and out, but it goes in the Dead Sea and it stops there. It's only taking in, it doesn't give out. And, and so he said, if you want to grow, you have got to, what you're taking in, what you have been fed, you've got to give it out. If you will go and take what God's put into you and give it out to somebody, it will start multiplying back into your own life. And I always took those words to, to heart. And so the, the, the day came where he said to me, I'm leaving Durban and I'm going to Johannesburg, Beverly and myself, I'm going to Johannesburg and we're going to start a church there. And so my heart went with them, Marlene and myself, our hearts went with them, going to miss them. We were involved in another church in Durban and it was very sad to see my good and best friend leave, but God opened the door for us to, be, uh, to join him in Johannesburg, and there we ran the layman school of training for several years, nine years in Johannesburg, and so God brought us back together again. Somebody says uh, this discipleship challenge is too difficult. It's too much. I don't think that I can rise to the occasion. <clears throat> There's a story that he's told about this little boy, and all these fish had washed ashore from the ocean. And he grabbed a fish and threw it back in and grabbed another one and threw it back in. And then someone uh, came to this little boy, an adult, and he said, Son, there's just too many fish. You can't make a difference. And he looked at the one in his hand and he says, But it makes a difference to this one. And he threw him back in and grabbed another one and threw him back in. I want to tell you that God needs you to make a difference to one. And if you'll make a difference to one, you can make a difference to two or three. The one might be the hardest. And then once you've done the one, you'll progress to the next and to the next. And so it goes on. Some people say, well, let me just read the scripture, Matthew 25, 40. The king said to them, inasmuch as you did it, to one of my brethren, even the least of them, you did it to me. If we do it to one person, we're doing it to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you give them a cup of cold water, if you clothe them, if you feed them, if you love them, if you share the gospel with them, if you tell them about Jesus, he said, if you do it to one, then you are doing it to me. And if you are faithful with a little thing, God will entrust you with more. Someone says, why doesn't God bring more souls? He said, I actually brought one last week and last month, but I had to send future ones to somebody else because you didn't do anything. You didn't talk to them. You didn't reach out to that one person. Some people say there are so many going to hell. What difference can I make? There's a story told where Jesus prayed for a blind person, and he said, I see men as trees walking and prayed a second time, and he had his complete healing. Many times Christians are seeing 
The world centers around us as trees walking. We walk into the mall, there's thousands of people. I've got to go there, buy this, get in my car, go home. It's just me and what I want to do, and everything's busy. We need to slow down every day of our lives. We need to pray and say, God, use me. I commit this day to you. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I'll be glad in it. This is the day God can bring a miracle into my life to touch and change somebody and introduce them to Jesus. We pray. We put our faith out there. We believe God. And we say, Lord, you can trust me. I will speak to that person. And when you get that little prompting in your heart, you might be sitting having a haircut, and someone comes and sits next to you. You get the prompting, tell him I love him. Tell him about Jesus. And if you hesitate, when that spark comes, let the fire be lit. Don't put it out. Don't douse it and say, oh, I don't know what he's going to say. You'll be amazed that God brought that person because you prayed the prayer to be used by God. And God said, I got someone I know that I can trust and use. And I can bring that person to sit next to him for his haircut. And I know he'll talk to him. Amen. Amen. So God can use us in an amazing way. Uh, If we don't see people as trees walking, but we are observant of our environment, of human beings in our environment. He has three letters, TTP. Everyone say TTP. TTP. Tell your neighbor, you better TTP. Tell your neighbor, you better TTP. Talk to people. Talk to people. Everywhere you go, talk to people. Don't be, if you're shy, pray for boldness. The Bible says they were told, you keep quiet and shut up, Acts 4, no no more testifying in the name of Jesus. And so they went and prayed and they said, God, they're threatening us. But that's the challenge. I pray for boldness to speak. Once you open your mouth and speak, just get started, you'll find out that the flow will be there and it'll start becoming easier and easier to talk to people. So do not be one of those people who is a mind-my-own-business Christian. Jesus sat at the well of Samaria, and they went into town to go and get some stuff. And when they came back, the disciples, they saw Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman, a Jew to a Samaritan and a woman. Jesus was, wherever he went, he would talk to people. And so just talking to people and find out who they are, what they do, And uh, just a friendly conversation. Uh, There's no threat. There's nothing difficult over here. And then it's amazing how God will open the door and you can start talking about Jesus. You might hear of a pain, a a problem, a family member going through something. Someone's dying. Someone's got cancer. Someone's hurt. Someone's lost a loved one. And then you can start talking about Jesus and you can invite them to your church. Very nice to carry a a little business card where you... The top of the business card can say, uh, Jesus changed my life at church address, phone number, service times. Or Jesus, side B, healed me. So you can give it according to what side. So this is where people are receiving healing. And so use it, whatever, if you ride it on a car, do whatever you have to do. But invite people, invite people, talk to people, open the door. And who am I discipling? How many years have I been saved? Am I discipling anybody? Have I invited anybody? We all can. He invited 200 in his first six weeks. Can I invite one? Because if you can get one, you'll get two, three, four, five. 
Amen. Amen. Just start. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Your skills will grow. Your skills will develop. Proverbs 11.30 says, He who is wise. <clears throat> What's the opposite of wise? Amen. I don't want to be that. Hallelujah. I want to be wise. The Bible says, He who is wise wins souls. And if you win souls, you'll want to disciple those souls. Here's our last screen. And uh, we see over here that Theo invested his life into mine. This is discipleship reward. He will receive an eternal reward for me running the Layman School of Training. And we had uh, 5,000 registered students over nine years. And we had 1,000 graduates who had been trained to pray in the harvest, evangelize the harvest, shepherd the harvest. And they helped that church grow over those nine years from 3,000 to 10,000 members. And many of those laymen said to themselves, I know how to do this. Praying in the harvest, we've learned how to pray here. Evangelizing the harvest, we know how to evangelize fishes of men. And shepherding, we know how to shepherd and care. And God put a desire in their hearts. And um, Pastor Theo, Apostle Theo, sent them out to go and start churches all over South Africa and the world. And they came because they were, they were trained by someone who had been discipled by Theo. And there was a multiplication. So let's think about this. This scripture is very powerful in Exodus 20 verse 5. The Bible says, you shall not worship them or serve them. I am the Lord your God, and I'm a jealous God, and I visit iniquity on the fathers, of the fathers, on the children, on the third and fourth generations. Notice the context is generations, and then it stops. Sin can go down to four generations. But then he said in verse 6, but showing loving kindness to thousands. The context is generations. For sin, for, and it stops, for doing the right thing, for loving God, for serving God, for obeying God, for fulfilling the gospel, and for keeping the commandments of God. He said, you can impact thousands of generations. So here we have Abraham. And Abraham has Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel. And then we have all the judges and we have all of the kings. And then we have all of uh, David and Solomon and all the prophets. And then we have Jesus and the 12 disciples and the apostle Paul. And go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world goes the gospel. It all comes from Abraham who was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac so that God's son Jesus could come into the world. And Abraham is the head of the pile of the pyramid, if you want to call it that, because he's the one who obeyed God, and thousands of generations, and then 2,000 years later, Theo comes along, and then Smiley comes along, and, and then you come along, and God wants this to just keep multiplying, and it's happening in millions of churches around the world, but it all goes back to Abraham. Amen. And so what I'm saying to you is God brought you here for such a time as this. He brought you to this church and he brought you to help the man of God reach out into your shopping center where you are. Don't just go and shop. 
stand in the aisle uh, and look, is anyone while I'm walking up and down that I need to stop and talk to or standing to pay or going to the gym or at my work or at the restaurant table next to me? There's always an opportunity if you're not just focused on me, if you're focused on people and don't see them as trees but see them as souls. Lord wants you to touch somebody somewhere and you can do that every day of your life. Amen. And you can start building your little uh, obedience uh, to God where that can grow and multiply. And many souls can come into the kingdom because of you. So I close by saying this. Pray and say, Lord, bring souls into my life. You need to take this seriously. Go home and pray in your quiet time that you have with God. And say, Lord, I consecrate myself to be a willing, available vessel. I change from this day. It's not about me. It's not about running around and quick, quick, quick. I want to be sensitive. I want to hear. I want to follow what you want me to do. Talk to who you want me to talk to. Invite those people, and you'll be amazed how God will use you. And you'll have 1, 3, 5, 20, 30 in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads as we bring this to a close. I want you to know that Jesus loves you beyond what you can imagine. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Love has never hurt anybody. Love has only helped people. God says in the next verse, That he didn't send his son to judge the world, but he sent his son to be the savior of the world. But if we don't receive him as savior, then he will be our judge. We've judged ourselves by not receiving the savior. The Bible says in Romans 10, 11, it says, Whoever believes in Jesus will not be disappointed. The devil lies and says, if you give your heart to Jesus... You're going to be disappointed. Your life is going to turn around for the worse and your fun is going to stop. No, your fun is going to start when you surrender to Jesus, when you open your heart to Him and you receive love and you receive the Prince of Peace and all that turmoil, that anxiety is out of your heart and life and Jesus reigns and you are a new person in Christ Jesus. And the Bible goes on and it says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just call on the name of Jesus, the Bible says, and you will be saved. And uh, the Bible says in Revelations chapter 3, verse 20, I stand at the door of your heart right now. And Jesus said, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door of their heart, Jesus promised, he said, if you open that door, I will come in and I will dine with you and you with me, we'll have fellowship. The handle to the door of your heart is on the inside and only you can open up. Jesus will not barge in uninvited. So please open the door of your heart if you don't know Jesus and you came here and you have pain and you have hurt and you have turmoil and uh, even if things are going what you think is great in your life, Trust me, when you find Jesus and receive Jesus and the Prince of Peace reigns in your heart, your life will totally change.